Peter is going to bring our Bible reading for us this morning. Thank you. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, for you know that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray for us as well, that God will open to us a door for the word, that we may declare the mystery of Christ, for which I am in prison, so that I may reveal it clearly as I should. Conduct yourself wisely toward your, towards outsiders, making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know how we are, and that we may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will tell you about everything here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice, greets you. These are the only ones of the circumcision among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. He is always wrestling in his prayers on your behalf, so that you may stand mature and fully assured in everything that God wills. For I testify for him that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea in Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greeting to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and Nympha and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you read also the letter from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, see that you complete the task for you that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. And grace be with you. I don't know if you uh, recall, but uh, some while ago we, uh, we began a series uh, called uh, Everyday Disciples. And um, And it's a few weeks now since, uh, since we were looking at this, but uh, you may recall that uh, we're going through the book of uh, Colossians, and uh, we began in uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1. Uh, the, uh, the series is inspired really by, uh, by the Baptist Union of Great Britain uh, National Strategy, uh, which is centred on that theme of uh, encouraging missionary disciples, and uh, also uh, 
inspired by a guy called Mark Green and the uh, London Institute for Contemporary Christianity uh, with this idea of whole life uh, discipleship. And so we've been thinking about what it means uh, to be an everyday disciple and in Colossians chapter 1 we were establishing the principle uh, that every day we are to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not just about uh, uh, what we do here on a Sunday, but it's about everyday life. And then uh, in chapter 2 we were thinking about encouraging everyday disciples, the fact that we, we all need to be uh, encouraged in our discipleship, that we can help and uh, encourage one another along the way, that discipleship isn't a, a solo thing, it isn't something that we do on our own, it's something that we do together as the community of God's people. So we were uh, encouraging one another in our discipleship. And then in chapter 3, Colossians, we're thinking about equipping everyday disciples, the fact that we need to be equipped that we need the word of God and we need to use the resources uh, that we have to make sure that we are fully equipped to be able to be the disciples that God wants us to be. And uh, this week, uh, as we come to our concluding uh, sermon in this series, we're thinking about empowering everyday disciples. We're thinking about empowering everyday disciples. And the first thing that I uh, notice in this, uh, in this passage is that Paul says, Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. Praying for open doors. Praying for open doors. This morning as we're thinking about empowering everyday disciples, what we see in this first section of the chapter 4 is the importance of prayer. And Paul talks about being devoted to prayer. Now, if you're devoted to something, it implies that this something that you are uh, completely committed to. It isn't just something that you do on the odd occasion. If you're devoted to somebody, uh, you know, we think of, uh, we sometimes speak, don't we, of, of people when we, we say, you know, that husband, he was completely devoted uh, to his wife in her illness. And what we mean is that, you know, he was with her at every stage of the way and he cared for her. If you're devoted to something, it means that you, you put everything into it. And here, the thing that Paul is talking about being devoted to is prayer. So often, uh, we pray in times of crisis, we pray in times of need, and Paul uh, encourages the Colossians to devote themselves to prayer. And uh, this is the thing that will empower our everyday discipleship, if we are devoted to pray. And Paul's request uh, is that you would pray for us too, verse 3, and pray for us too that God may open a door. Paul is the great apostle who's uh, already been halfway around the northern Mediterranean. He's preached the gospel, he's planted churches, and uh, he's been beaten, stoned, imprisoned for the gospel. And yet he's asking these Colossians to pray for him, to help him. These uh, Christians who are in their early stages of discipleship can do something to help the great Apostle Paul. They can pray for him. He says, pray for us too. And, uh, you know, the knowledge that somebody is praying for you, it's, uh, it's a great thing. Oh, imagine. 
And I've been empowered now. Uh, for my everyday discipleship. Thank you, Ben. So we're praying for open doors. Mark Green, again in, uh, in the book Imagine, uh, talks about this. He says, the primary evangelistic problem that the church faces is not the resistance of those who don't believe the good news about Jesus, but the failure to envision, equip and support those who do. Paul is praying, asking the uh, Colossians to pray that God would open doors. And Mark Green is reminding us, you know, so often what we think is, is that nobody's interested in, in the good news. And the prayer is that God would open doors uh, so that we can uh, present the good news, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. We need to ask for the same prayer, that God would open doors for us to proclaim the mystery of Christ. And of course, as we uh, approach uh, Christmas, there's so many opportunities for us to do that. You know, when you pray for someone on a, on a regular basis, when you, you know that person is, uh, is praying for you, um, as well as, uh, as, as being encouraged by the knowledge that someone is praying for you, it helps to build up a relationship. You know, and someone just says to you, you know, I'm going to pray for you because uh, I know that this week uh, you're facing this situation or facing that situation. Uh, we need to encourage in the prayer life of this church uh, people to pray for one another on a regular basis and to tell people that you're praying for them. Just uh, just go up to somebody. You know, uh, we've already heard, um, you know, that Marjorie's going in hospital this week. Tell her that you're praying for her. Because uh, it's a great encouragement to know that lots of people are praying for you. So when you go through uh, different situations and circumstances, you feel the support and uh, you are empowered to be able to cope in that situation. You see, Paul is not only interested in teaching them the truth about Jesus, he's also wanting to build relationships with these people. And uh, praying for one another is one of the ways that we build up those relationships. And Paul is asking that they pray for doors to be opened. It's a prayer for open doors that he asks for. So that's the first thing I want to think about, praying for open doors. Um, and uh, we should never forget, you know, the power of prayer. They all later agreed that it had indeed been one powerful prayer. Ever had a prayer like that? That's kind of uh, really knocked you uh, sideways or felt the force of prayer. We should never underestimate the power of prayer. Praying for open doors, that's what Paul is doing, asking them to do. And then he talks about being, about preparing for every opportunity. Preparing for every opportunity. He says this, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. If it's Paul's job to make the mystery of the king clear, it is the Colossians' job as well. And they must use every opportunity to do so. Becoming skilled in the art of real listening to the questions and comments made by puzzled onlookers. And being sure that they answer the person appropriately. Here Paul longs for them to become mature Christians, able to think for themselves and to speak with quiet confidence that comes from having thought things through. And notice it says that you should be wise 
in the way that you act towards outsiders. You should be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. You know, when we're talking to people outside the church, when we're speaking to people, we need to be wise. Uh, We need to remind ourselves that when we talk to people, uh, not only do we represent the church, but we're representing Jesus. And uh, we need to be good representatives of Jesus. We don't want people to say, oh, such and such a person, you know, they go to church, but uh, just look at the way that they speak or look at the way that they live. We have to be very careful in the way that we act towards outsiders. We have to act, act with grace. It says, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everybody. Practically speaking, we must see ourselves, you know, as pastors to our neighbours, to our co-workers, to uh, the people around us. The unchurch need a pastor. But only you can be their pastor. I cannot. I I do not have the contact with your neighbours, with the people that you work with, uh, with the people that you study with. Uh, And you do. And God wants to use you. And he wants to use his church. Uh, Neil Cole, in, uh, in his book, The Organic Church, he says this. He says, it amazes me to consider how much effort and how many resources, time, money and people are expanded for a single hour once a week. We have made church nothing more than a religious show that takes place on a Sunday. And after it's done, we all go home until church starts again next week. Same time, same place. The Great Commission says that we are to go into the world. But we have turned the whole thing round and made it come to us and hear our message. Come to us and hear our message. We must make the most of every opportunity, praying for open doors, so that uh, that God can use us in speaking to other people. Came across this uh, illustration, a little girl was on her way home from church and she turned to her mother and said, Mum, the preacher's sermon this morning confused me a little bit. Obviously that would never happen here. The mother said, oh, why was that? The girl replied, well, the minister said that God is bigger than we are. Is that true? The mum said, yeah, that's true. He also said that God lives within us. Is that true? And again, the mother replied, yeah, that's true. Well, said the little girl, if God is bigger than us and he lives in us, Wouldn't he show through? Wouldn't he show through? Preparing for every opportunity, making the most of every opportunity. You know, uh, so often the truth is that he doesn't show through. So often the truth is, you know, we've lost something of that zeal, of that fire. Uh, that maybe we first had when we first became believers. Uh, people bump into us in the street, people meet us, and uh, they might not know that we're a Christian. There might be nothing about us to tell them that we are a Christian. I wonder whether uh, God does show through. Mark Green, in his book, uh, Imagine, he says, the fact that a Christian in work spends 40 hours a week with an average of 50 people, represents a huge opportunity. The fact that a 23-year-old 
who likes dancing, spends eight hours a week in clubs, represent a superb opportunity. The fact that a housewife with a child at a primary school has a scope to interact with up to 30 or so sets of parents for seven-year-olds suddenly looks like an enormous opportunity. The fact that a 70-year-old in a retirement home gets to mix 12 hours a day with 30 or 40 people of a similar age represents a huge opportunity. We have the people and we have them in place. We have the people and we have them in place. Uh, the opportunities that pass us by to speak God's word into a situation. This week, you will have an opportunity to be a pastor to the people that you work with, to be a missionary in the context that you find yourself. There will be lots of opportunities, and we, the truth is we don't always make the most of every opportunity. That's the truth, if we're being honest. And Paul says, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. That I should be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. You know, I could get quite excited about this. You see, every single person in this room in the next seven days will have immense opportunities. And Paul suggests that we need to make the most of these opportunities. We need to pray that God will open doors. And we need to feel that empowerment of other people praying for us. Fear stops many people from fulfilling, fulfilling their mission. Fear of their own ignorance. Fear that people might ask them a question that they can't answer. Fear of embarrassment. What will people think if I say that I'm a Christian, that I'm a follower of Jesus? Fear in letting God down, that we might say the wrong thing, that we might get all tongue-tied, and uh, we might not be able to answer difficult questions. But let's remember, you know, when we step out in faith, God does empower us. Jesus said to the disciples, just before he left them, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We're called to be witnesses. And then finally, John Weaver, the uh, ex-president of the BU, says this. He says, I'm convinced that living our beliefs in the world and hearing the questions asked of our Christian faith by those we meet through work, family life and leisure activities and in our communities is vital for our discipleship. Those that we meet... Those that we, our lives interact with are opportunities for us to speak God's word into those situations. And then finally, preparing. So if we say preparing for every opportunity and partnering with others. You notice at that end there's all those uh, interesting names that I got Peter to read out. Bless you for that, Peter. Uh, and Paul lists all these people uh, who have been partners in the gospel with him. Paul wasn't the sort of person that went it alone. Uh, he engaged in partnerships with different people. And uh, he lists all these different people who have been, as he describes, uh, you know, his fellow partners in the gospel. 
And, you know, it's easy for people in church to think, well, we've employed a minister now, so uh, so he's the person that, that goes out and tells people about Jesus, and we pay him to do that. That's his job. And uh, we see in the gospel here, we see in, 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 in the book of Colossians, uh, Paul uh, sending all his greetings to people that have worked alongside him. And there's something about recognising that we're in this together. That we are to support one another in preaching the good news about Jesus Christ. And I'm to help you and you're to help me. And part of this series that we've been looking at is about the idea of enabling us and equipping us and empowering us and encouraging us to be disciples. It's almost like when we come to church on a Sunday morning, we've kind of flicked a switch inside that says, this is a, a God thing that we're doing now. We're coming to church and we're looking at the Bible and we're praying and we're singing and we're thinking about God. And uh, we recognise that and we're together with God's people and we feel that connection. But tomorrow morning, I don't know where you'll be. Uh, some of you will be at work, some of you will be at home, some of you will be uh, out and about doing different things. And we don't stop being church the moment we walk out of this door. We are the church wherever we are. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. Every single second, every single hour of every single day, we are disciples. We don't stop being disciples. Uh, I don't stop being a minister uh, once I go home. I am a minister 24-7 and so are you. And uh, that encourages me because, you know, sometimes you can feel, uh, you know, and sometimes the church likes to do this, they put all the pressure on the minister. Well, you're the minister. You know what I mean? So the number of times people say, well, you're the minister. And what normally follows is, you know, the can stops with you, the book stops with you, it's your problem. Well, actually it's not. Um, uh, you know, um, the interesting thing about Baptist ministry is that you don't actually pay me a wage. I don't get worried there, it's not that uh, <laughs> they do give me some money, but we call it a stipend, it's not a wage, it's a stipend that, that I'm paid. And the reason why it's called a stipend and not a wage is because um, churches um, pay ministers a stipend to enable them to do full-time what everybody else is doing in their spare time. You see, you're here now in your own free time, you've chosen to come here. You could argue that I'm being paid to be here, um, but you see what I'm saying? That, that actually you, you release somebody from having to go out and earn a living so that they can do full-time uh, ministry. And part of my job as a minister is to equip and encourage you in your ministry. It's not that I come and I'm the professional and I'm the person that knows how to convert people, I'm the person that knows how to pray with people, I'm the person that knows how to do everything. It's the fact that you're releasing me to give me the time to be able to study and pray and to be able to do the things uh, that need to be done. And Paul here, uh, as a full-time minister uh, of the gospel, as an apostle, is just reminding us and the people that he's writing to in Colossians of all the different people that have been involved in his ministry and have partnered with him. And you and I are partners together. We're in this together. And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel a lot better. Uh, you might be thinking, well, I'm not sure that I signed up for this. <laughs> I'm quite happy to sit in, in, in my seat on a Sunday morning. But, uh, but hey, um, but this is what it's about. This is what being church is about. 
And uh, so often the focus, like Mark Green said earlier, is very often we, we do tend to focus on what happens on a Sunday. And we forget uh, that we are still church. So, in the words of a song, you know, I get by with a little help from my friends. Uh, that's what it's about. It's about encouraging, helping each other in our everyday discipleship. Uh, God has designed us to live together in community with others, to work in partnership together so that we can be the church and the people that God wants us to be. Everyday disciples, that's what we're called to be every single day. Let's pray together.